Uh, Bitcoin gets NFTs, but the community wants to censor it. Bankless Nation, it is the first Friday of February, and it's time for the what, David? The Friday Weekly Roll-Up, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere. Nonetheless, Ryan, I've drank about two times the amount of coffee that I usually do, so that is a fair warning to the bankless listeners out there. Your boy is caffeinated. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell from some of your Twitter activity. I had to like literally pull you away in order to do this show. Uh, <laughs> slow down there, my boy. All right? We got... Uh, this this month though for you you're doing a lot of travel right you got some conferences coming up uh, I yeah, call it the conference month but you're like eh, it's not a conference month I'm like two conferences man that's a lot well, for me that would be like two they, years worth of conferences they, <laughs> they bookend the month so tomorrow I leave for Tel Aviv to go to the Starkware sessions uh, yeah. I'm very excited for that and then at the end of the in month in Israel in Israel yeah uh-huh. uh huh are you yes. ready for those big brains. I mean, oh, you are God. a big brain in your in your element, but this is like it's cryptography a, that's different. Big yeah, it's cryptography, big brain, and no, I'm not ready for that. Like uh, account abstractions, zk rollups, like the, it really stretches what I, my brain is able to comprehend. Uh, we'll see if I come back broken or or not. We'll see. Or full of new ideas. Yeah, ho- hopefully the okay. latter. But you know, we'll, we'll, so we'll you got see. that, and we'll then see. what else? Denver, uh, East Denver at the end of the month, which uh, is where uh, Bankless, the Bankless Nation, is going to have its first ever in real life meetup, which we will talk about later in the show. That's awesome. All right, so what are we going to get into this week, David? First, we got to talk about the markets, Ryan, because the markets are hot. Token appetite is absolutely in. We're going to talk about the layer two tokens that are up. We're going to talk about the layer two app tokens that are up and some other layer ones as well. So that's coming in first. Uh, Caffeinated and bullish today. Caffeinated and bullish. It's the best combination. It's the best combination. Uh, After this, the FTX story continues. Uh, We're going to find out who exactly is paying for SBF's legal fees. Uh, And also, SBF trying to engage in witness tampering. Seriously? Uh, We'll talk about that. And also, third, uh, but also so much more after this, uh, Bitcoin has NFTs. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I heard about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure everyone in the Bitcoin community is super excited about uh, it, right? They, everyone, everyone loves it. Everyone loves <laughs> NFTs on Bitcoin. Not only NFTs on Bitcoin, Ryan, but uh, right before we were recording, uh, I was actually playing Doom on Bitcoin. You know Doom? Yeah. Doom. Ah. I, I, I remember I could uh, I could play that in my uh, TI eighty three calculator. Oh really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, to do math. Bitcoin. Is I'm at- not saying, by the way, that Bitcoin is a calculator. And Ethereum is like more like a smartphone. I'm not drawing that analogy at all, but uh, that's pretty cool. Doom what? on Bitcoin. I will absolutely draw that analogy. <laughs> Bitcoin is at least as powerful as a T84 calculator. Uh, so that and True. like so much more is going to come in this weekly roll-up. So make sure that you like and subscribe, rate and review wherever you are. These YouTube, uh, these YouTube videos come out every Friday and podcasts as well. Uh, so make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss a weekly roll-up. Oh, only rate it, though, if you're giving a five-star. Yes. If not, just don't, forget it. Just don't, yeah five stars only i think i think our rating is like 4.9 so if you give us a four star you're actually bringing us down don't do that oh wow a bunch of haters just went and gave us uh, one star it's gonna be 4.8 tomorrow next week sorry about that guys all right david let's get to the good stuff caffeinated and bullish you told us about the caffeine now tell us about the bullishness what is bitcoin doing on the week bitcoin starting the week at twenty two thousand seven hundred and fifty. And it is now up 5% to 23,880, at least at the time of recording. Actually, no, it's at 24,000 because my numbers are already out of date. So 6%? 6%? 24K. Uh, That feels good. I'm I'm happy about that. That feels good. Uh, How about ETH price? ETH price starting the week at 1566, ending the week. Oh, we are just, oh, we just broke 1700. 
Oh, hey. that's great. Hey, Happy 1700. 1700. Back. Yeah. Wait, when well, was the last time you hit 1700? A very By the long way, time uh, ago. I'm zooming out. Look at this chart charting on Kraken Pro. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the, gotta the, thank Kraken the Kraken, the Kraken Pro UX is awesome. I've been tinkering Killing. around. So you have Bitcoin US dollars, you have Ether US dollars, you have also the BTC ratio. Those are yeah. actually modular and you can drag them around and have multiple window views in the same screen. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if you'll be able to, Ryan, because you're not a charter, but no, no, no. So it, other it, people but would be able to figure this out. Normal people can. Normal, normal people can figure this out. It's not Ryan. <laughs> not, not Ryan, though. <laughs> well, this is great, man. Uh, we're, we're up and we're doing well. I mean, this has been a killer month. Where did we start at the beginning of uh, January? Oh, God, it was bad. Something like 1,200. 1200 1200 yeah 1200 at the start of the month we are at 1703 dollars at the time of recording breaking we just that, added 500 eth mm, in the month of january in the first day of february ETH, yeah uh-huh that 1700 yeah, number is definitely some strong resistance we are just poking through it at the time of 1 40 p.m eastern time on thursday the second uh if we can poke through this resistance and hold that that is a big yes. deal that's a big Go deal on. 1700 yes. resistance is hard um, back to 4500k 4,500, I mean. 4,500K would be a large number. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, no, sorry. so like we have to actually break through it and then sustain it. Like we could hit the ceiling and bounce back down and that's also a possibility. But the fact that we are have our eyes above 1,700 is pretty damn good. Uh, so it, dead, it was David? up 7% when we were at the price of 1,677, but now we're at 1,702. So what is that, 8 or 9%? Yeah. I mean, people getting bullish again and the question is bear market dead? <laughs> is is the question but i gotta pause and say uh feels like it's been way too easy it has to kill the ba- bear easy. market like I mean, this it's it like it's all in one month right so uh it's been it's moved fast things have moved it's fast. moved fast uh it doesn't feel sustainable at least to me but what do i know let's look at the eth bitcoin ratio what's that telling us uh 0.0707 almost up to 0.071 starting the week at 0.069 Almost up to 0.071. So definitely good week for the ratio. Up uh, 3%. 3%. We've got to be above a trillion. 1.1 oh, trillion? 1.135 Total crypto market trillion, yes. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. only 2 trillion off uh, our all-time highs. A casual 2 trillion. Yeah. I mean, it's not that, it's not that far. <coughs> We've been we're, much we're farther away. We're above the 2017 highs. At least there's that. So this is crazy. I think this is a uh, giga bullish if mm-hmm. you're an ultrasound money fan like David and myself. Uh, we are the most deflationary <laughs> since the merge. I think we've ever been. That's correct. All time lows in terms of ETH supply since the merge. Am yes, I right about this? That is correct. ETH price is at all time high since the merge. ETH supply is at all time low since the merge. Uh, that is what I would call nice. So nice. ETH is selling blocks. That's what this Bigly. means. Because every time it sells a block, uh, there's a little bit of a burnt ETH. And if that outstrips the amount of ETH issued, then you get the net issuance burn. And that's what we're seeing is burn. So mm-hmm. the product is hot. The product is selling. Uh, ETH blocks are being sold. And ETH, the asset, is net deflationary since since the merge. It's pretty crazy. Can we just run that, that calculation again? So supply chain since the merge, that is in September. September what? Was that September 14th? Yeah, when did the merge like happen? That. Yeah, I feel like I should know okay. that date. I feel like I should know that. 140 days since the merge. So 140 days ago, and we are negative 7,000 ETH. Let's just simulate if the merge hadn't happened. Let me press this button. Whoa. 1.638 <laughs> million. Wow. One Big point- difference. Hold on. I'm doing the math. I'm doing the math with my calculator. What are you doing? At 1,700. That is, oh, I have to turn it. I have to turn my iPhone sideways to get the number because it's, it's too, too big. big. $2.7 billion of Ether has not been issued 
since the merge because of proof of stake. 2.7, actually 2.8, 2.8 billion dollars has not been minted and sold to miners. Instead, that means 2.7 billion of selling pressure removed from the market. We would have had to sell that ETH into the market and ETH price would be a lot, it would be lower than 1700 if the market had to absorb all of that selling pressure through buys. So instead of to, instead of issuing 2.8 billion dollars, Ether has reclaimed 12 million dollars. And I mean, in 12 a way, million is not a large number compared to 2.8 billion, but the fact yeah. that we are reclaiming 12 million dollars of economic energy instead of losing 2.8 billion dollars of economic energy is massive. Jeez. I could watch this chart all day. I, th- I, mean, I could t- I could talk about this all day. We know. Th- we know this, this is like a Sometimes I do. a dividend back to all ETH holders too, right? Because that burn mm-hmm. gets evenly distributed, yes. I suppose, in terms of upside to, to holders, everyone that yeah. owns ETH. So this is not a validator feature. This is a, you're just a, you, you're an average ETH holder feature. ETH. Yes. Huh. So good. All right. So well, awesome. we got more markets to cover. Let's talk a little bit about some of the news in the markets. Got to talk about the Fed Watch. So the FMOC meeting happened this week. Did we go higher or lower? Uh, or did we say the same on the interest rate, David? Uh, the interest rates, Ryan, went up. They went okay. up by 25 basis points, a.k.a. 0.25%. I hate the word basis point. It's so dumb. You hate that word? I hate it. 25 basis points? Yeah. I think 0.25%. it makes people sound cool. Yeah, it sounds like you, uh, I feel like you have to wear a tie, a suit and a tie to say those words. I think that most people don't understand what a basis point is out there in the real world and so saying it automatically makes yourself like makes you a fin right like a, a fin, finance a bro, bro or something yeah fine yeah uh-huh yeah it's uh, like quantitative so, easing do you mean yeah. do you mean money printing is that what yeah. you mean <laughs> yeah yeah i get it i I'm, I'm not a huge fan but i do feel a little cool when i say it sometimes <laughs> so i'm not, not gonna promise to never say it on Peglas. don't call me a hypocrite <laughs> anyway we're off subject but that is 0.25 25 basis points is less <laughs> Than usual, right? Because usually it's yes. about 0.5 or 0.75. Is mm-hmm. that what it's been historically for the yes. last few I, raises? I think that's right. I think this is the the smallest rate hike that we've had since we've started hiking. I think that's correct. Well, Powell says policy is going to remain restrictive for some time. He says this. That's what he we says. We have to complete the job. That's what we're here for. <laughs> have to complete the job. That's what you're here for. Staying steady, staying restrictive. But a lot of people say kind of the worst is over. This was um, <coughs> some of the sentiment reflected on uh, our podcast mm-hmm. with not only Chris Berninski, uh, that episode came out earlier this week, but also Eric Peters, which um, he has One River uh, Capital Management, very large crypto hedge fund. David and I caught up with him and talked to him. That episode is coming out not next week, but the week after. He said the same thing. Basically, the worst is over. And so we might still get some more raises, of course, in the future, but we've the rate of change has slowed. Right. Right. Like yeah. we're we're beginning the descent, uh, I suppose uh, you might say. And I think that's what the market is reacting to. Is mm-hmm. that why we're up this week, David? Uh, that's as soon as the twenty five basis points news broke, markets across the board, both crypto and trad markets, all pumped bigly. The S&P 500 jumped to 1%, which is a huge move for the S&P. Big move, S&P. Big moves. <laughs> Try to get... Yeah, that's a 1% move. Yeah, everyone's excited about that. The, mm-hmm. the, the Federal Reserve raised rates, Chair Powell says, it's premature to declare victory against inflation. So we may have topped on inflation, but premature to declare victory. Um, yeah, the S&P up 1%. The I would Dow just like to point out that Genesis Capital was announced going to bankruptcy 
Yes. The markets did not respond negatively. In fact, okay. they started pumping afterwards. The lower interest rate hike was announced and markets did respond very positively to that. So markets are not being negative to bad news and they are being positive to good news. So that are those are signals to pay attention to. I think the next big thing is the CPA, the February, January CPI print, which will come out in like a week or so. Uh, and if that is negative, that will be the fourth month in a row of negative inflation reporting. Uh, and I would expect if that does happen, that markets would respond positively to that if it does happen. Happy music again. But it doesn't feel like it's over. I feel like no. all of this has been too easy, David. There's something yeah. like that in the pit of my stomach. Uh, DYD, or DXY, so that is the dollar index, mm-hmm. down four months in a row. This is a chart that you put up. Mm-hmm. Why do we care about the dollar's strength? Uh, the dollar strength is falling four months in a row, which is just indicating that uh, there is appetite to go out of dollars, uh, to sell, sell dollars for other things. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah that's interesting. We, we uh, like continuation. Indicator. In the Eurozone, meanwhile, in Europe, inflation eased more than anticipated. Uh, and there's some debate, I guess, being had over the uh, European Central Bank rate policy. What should they mm. do in the future? Should they begin hitting the brakes uh, or what? So similar sentiment happening in Europe at this point in time. I have no further comments. I would like to. I would like to talk about tokens now. Can we talk about tokens? Yes, David has no further comments on the ECB. I don't he have wants any very much to on talk European about. Inf- I would like to talk about the tokens, Ryan. <laughs> tokens are up. Tokens I told are you. up. Caffeinated and bullish. <laughs> I told you it was going to happen. Uh, what are we looking at? Is this monthly price for OP? Immutable, IMX, and Matic. Uh, these are no, yeah, these are actually twenty-four hour prices. However, uh, mon- monthly prices are also. Yeah, I can't make CoinGecko report monthly prices. Uh, okay. These are the prices in the last twenty-four hours. Optimism, I, I could do that. Screaming to brand new all-time highs. Optimism coming in at two dollars and eighty-two cents. That's up twenty-five percent in the last twenty-four hours. Mm. Uh, Immutable up nineteen percent in the last twenty-four hours. Matic up thirteen percent in the last twenty-four hours. But uh, monthly price movements are pretty like they're green. They're very, very green. Like optimism has been hitting all time highs all month. Uh, Matic is coming back very strongly. L2 tokens are in right now. Big in, in, uh, in dude, what? you know, what's crazy. The yeah. optimism fully diluted valuation is basically on par with the polygon fully diluted valuation. What? That, yeah. Yeah. Wow. 12, 12.1 billion for optimism and 12.4 billion for, for polygon. Wow. Now, one big difference is, of course, optimism has a lot more tokens locked up. Yes. If you look at that yes. uh, market cap in terms of liquid supply, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a lot lower on yes. the optimism no, side. No, that's versus a definitely side. something to point out. Yeah. So, point, so 600 million is the market cap for optimism. So that's how many mm. tokens are actually liquid in trade. Uh, but the market cap for Polygon is 11 billion. So uh, Polygon has gone through much more price discovery than Optimism has. Did you say IMX too? That's an immutable expo- uh, token that's up 20% yeah. almost mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty crazy. Whoa, we got some more tokens here. More tokens. More tokens Magic, are bullish. Magic, GMX, yeah. and Velodrome. Uh, they yeah. are also doing things. Yeah, so these are just a, a three tokens, just because I, that's the space that we have on screen. Uh, three tokens that I picked out. Arbitrum tokens, all kind of just the charts just all look so good. GMX, uh, $68, up 20%. That was the one, that was the token that was the only token that actually went up in 2022, and it's continuing to go up in 2023 so far. Uh, Magic uh, is a, a token that I have exposure to, so uh, uh, disclaimer uh, is it's just printing new new all time highs. Velodrome, which is a token on Optimism, also hitting uh, local highs. Just the the L two trade is on right now. 
big time. L2 trade that, that is carrying over not only to the layer two asset itself, but mm-hmm. also to some the of the layer, major flagship yeah. tokens mm-hmm. in the app layer mm-hmm. on top of them. Um, how about Canto? So this mm-hmm. is another, I think, a layer one story. Yeah. And uh, we brought this chart in here for a reason. This is the 24-hour view, but I want to look at the 30-freaking-day view. Look at wow. this. From, uh, I'll view it in market cap. How's that? So we went from a $35 million market cap beginning of January all the way to $230 million market cap at this point in time. A little 10x in January. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Should tokens be doing that? Are we sure about this one? What's happening over in Kanto world? Uh, So Variant put out a blog post about their position in uh, Kanto and then also kind of uh, talked about uh, why what their what their deal is with it and why they why they believe in it. So they call it a layer one incentive experiment. So Kanto uh, they they use a bunch of just like um, they use a bunch of wild going west metaphors, which you know you you know gets me going. Uh, And they talk about like nationalizing a lot of the infrastructure that gets built and uh, gets it built into the chain. So Kanto has a decentralized exchange a lending market and a stable coin all uh quote unquote nationalized public goods built into the chain itself uh and so after they pr- uh released this bl- uh, blog post it just kind of created a attention a sufficient attention on canto and when now you say it's- nationalized are you talking about like uh, in the similar way i almost think um you know terra and luna mm-hmm. like um terra kind of nationalized an algorithmic stable coin Right, mm-hmm. because it had USDT that was backed by Luna, and mm-hmm. it was sort of part of the same the, the entire ecosystem. Is that kind of what Kanto's doing with some of these protocols? I think so, but then I like communicated that point is like, yeah, like Kanto is taking like infrastructure and nationalizing and trying into the base lane base chain, and then Scott, the founder, was like, that's not right, uh, and so I'm kind of confused about. I thought that that's right, and that's what this article says. Uh, is I that guess what you've I been have- getting on Twitter fights over all morning? A little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, you know what? We're going to have them on, I think, next week, mm-hmm. right, to um, understand what is happening with Kanto and, and how this chain is structured. It is not a layer two, though. No, this, this is, is a layer, layer one. one. We are talking about a layer one right now. Yeah. yeah. A different different is, layer one. What, what is this built on? Is this built on a Tenderbit? Is this like Cosmos uh, app chain thing? It's an EVM-compatible chain, so EVM fork uh, with a bridge to Ethereum. Uh, I don't know how the bridge works, so bridge at your own risk. Uh, Yeah, but we're having Zach Cole. For those that remember Zach Cole, uh, super hilarious guy. Uh, Used to be at White Blocks, uh, just been in the space for a very long time. Uh, Very funny guy. Uh, Zach Cole's coming on to talk about Kanto. Interesting. Well, beware of this. I I think when a token pumps, uh, you know, 10x... you know, I'll beware, but also it's something to investigate. So we're going to continue the investigation mm-hmm. uh, of that next week. Um, there's some other things that we got to talk about uh, in 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 sort of pump news. Mm-hmm. Well, one was DYDX. We talked about that a little bit last week, David. DYDX was pumping because they changed the vesting schedule. I guess more information has come right. out about that vesting schedule. It seems like maybe mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. Some of this wasn't smart contract secured. Uh, tell us the story about DYDX's pump and subsequent vesting uh, controversy. Yeah, so when DYDX uh, kicked out their vesting unlock like six months, and then it created the DYDX pump that we've seen recently. Uh, at least that's how people are in, in, analyzing it. And as a result of that, that put attention onto the vesting schedule. So this one uh, on-chain sleuth, if you will, on-chain investigator, went to go check out what the uh, vesting 
contracts actually looked like. Uh, and they, they end up their, their, their tweet, their, their first tweet of the, on this thread saying it's not pretty. Uh, and then so that triggered me to read this thread uh, to go investigate. And I'm reminded of here's a, here's a fun little side side quest of a story, Ryan. There was this lawyer uh, back in the ICO days that went and actually investigated the claimed smart contracts of the token t- lockup schedules for teams. And so teams would say like, hey, here's here's the team allocation. We're vested for this long and we have this much supply. And then the lawyer went and actually investigated the smart contracts to see if the smart contracts that of the tokens actually resembled what was stated by the public literature of the ICOs. And he said he discovered something like 85 percent of ICOs did not actually have their stated vesting schedules codified in the smart contract. It was just like trust. So it was just a just a pinky promise. Pinky promise. Yeah, Mm -hmm, exactly. When you could have put it into a smart contract, you just didn't and said like, oh, we are we'll just abide by it, you know? Um, Yeah. Guess what? uh, What the name of this professor was? I uh, don't know. What's the name? Dave Hoffman. No way. Yeah. Uh-huh. We wow. follow, yeah, we follow each other on Twitter. He doesn't really care about the crypto world. Uh, no, he doesn't really care. He doesn't really care about the crypto world. But when the ICO mania was going, he decided to write. Right. That's up. right, Dave. Uh-huh. There can only be one David Hoffman. All right. <laughs> He's on Bankless. Yeah. <laughs> Go flee to another industry. Anyways, I think you can see where we're. <laughs> Anyways, I think you can see where we're going with this. Uh, DYDX did not enforce investing schedules in their smart contract. It's a little sloppy. Oops. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like, this is what a smart contract does. Uh, it does yeah. this work for you. Uh, and so uh, this uh, Spreak, this account, went and investigated all of the uh, investor allocations and noticed that people were selling uh, and then and then later buying back the tokens that they sold. Uh, and it's impossible to, t- to tell what is an oopsie versus what is actually being malicious uh brian armstrong actually is in this list and it's i think it's pretty easy to identify that brian armstrong made a whoopsie uh, yeah, he's got a lot to lose he's got a lot, he of, would, lot to lose yeah, yeah. Sold, sold his dydx allocations and then went and bought it back like pretty damn quickly afterwards uh yeah. because they didn't enforce it in the smart contract level other investors have very clearly sold their tokens and not yeah. uh, bought back their tokens but i think the conclusion the speculative conclusion of this uh tweet thread person says that like uh it's clearly someone at dydx in the dydx comms or compliance are like reaching out to people who sold their dydx tokens and then say hey dude you you're still vested. You have to go yeah, buy back your right. tokens. Look, look, a little bit of sloppiness, right? That's really um, sloppy. They're trying to unwind it. Um, I, I guess what I'm excited about is uh, we can see all of we this can on see chain. It. We can see you we guys. We get to see it on chain. <laughs> you know, we we had to take that um, in 2022. The reason DeFi held up and CFI didn't mm-hmm. was because DeFi was regulated and CFI wasn't. Mm-hmm. DeFi was regulated and CFI wasn't. You know how it was regulated, David? Smart contract by code, by co- yeah, by code. I mean, the reason right. why we're here, yeah, it was like we had the regulation on chain so you could see what was backing an asset like Ave, what was backing an asset like mm-hmm. Compound. We didn't need the regulators, quote unquote, because that regulation was enforced via code on chain where anyone can audit it. Okay, but when CFI was involved, it actually needed <coughs> some regulators to step in and make sure that people were, uh, People were respecting the pinky promise right. and were actually doing what they said they were going to do right. and that there were penalties if they didn't. Mm-hmm. So I guess the takeaway here is like, uh, hey, DeFi, let's make sure when we have vesting contracts, let's make sure we are enforcing them via smart contracts because that's what <laughs> that's, we have. This we have the tools. 
yeah let's not let's not be dumb about it oh my god uh, anyway what else we got here this is coinbase coin, it is also yeah. up coin yes coin mm-hmm. the, the token i almost said it's not a token is it what god, is this i thing? wish it was coin. a token yeah so this is, is uh, this thing called equity the equity, equity equity ticker symbol is called Where is that coin. Traded? It is the equity okay. of Coinbase, the exchange. Can I buy it on Uniswap? It's traded on the NASDAQ, and it's what? also up 150% from the bottom. There you go. Well, you know, it, it was ridiculously low before, so we'll see if it can sustain that. But yeah. uh, also mm-hmm. some good news of mm-hmm. maybe... Uh, out of the bear market. Um, this was a this, this was a funny not... a funny headline. Cell uh, token, <laughs> the Celsius token, rallies 150 percent after Judge Martin Glenn ordered that Celsius assets put under custody by OpenAI's Chat GPT. Devo- uh, depositors need a capable, strong decision maker at the helm, said Glenn, which is why the court has decided to turn full control over Celsius's asset management over to Chat GPT. Celsius token pumps. 150 percent david you actually got me this time oh wait really you actually got me <laughs> i can't believe that okay this is this is the rug uh we said that we would do this last week uh so i guess this I means was not we'll, paying attention we'll, to our we'll, we'll be keeping this yeah so this is a rug uh so this is the onion of crypto this is not this did not actually this happen. Did not actually happen celsius didn't even even rally did it no it did i don't even know i'm sure it's on the floor but God, this is ryan got rugged uh so congratulations yeah, to the rugs. team at the rug you guys rugged never happen again though uh so yes uh, what is the rug if you'd missed it last week the rug is the onion of crypto it's a product out of the bankless dow uh, you can go to the rug.mir.xyz if you would like to collect this rug collect the rug that rugged successfully rugged ryan uh ryan God. got rugged can't believe it It'll never happen again that's a one of one <laughs> all right <laughs> all right that's markets david we got a lot more to cover though big news stuff what's happening uh coming up next the List of FTX creditors full of famous names. So we're going to read off famous names that FTX owes some money to. Uh, Bitcoin gets NFTs, but the community wants to censor it. Uh, and there's also some other stuff as well. There's uh, the Blur versus OpenSea Wars. Cardano, Ryan, gets a stable coin. And Bedrock goes to governance vote as well as so much more. But first, a moment to talk about these sponsors that make this episode possible, especially Kraken, which is our preferred exchange for 2023, because Kraken's been around for 11 years and definitely plans to be around for the long term as well. Here we go. Bitcoin has NFTs, but Bitcoin maxis don't actually want this to happen. (laughs) Of course not. David, uh, this is an interesting story. I've been following a little bit on crypto Twitter, um, nudging there and here and there in the in the debate circle as well but tell us what's happening how is bitcoin getting nfts i didn't know this was possible yeah so there's this new protocol called ordinals which is a protocol that converts individual satoshi so one satoshi into a non-fungible digital artifact aka nft what do you mean uh, by this s- has caused a bunch of controversy so this what actually do you mean by a satoshi david that's like the the unit of bitcoin right the smallest unit the smallest, of bitcoin the exactly. equivalent would be a guay uh, a way a way is a thousand away a way is the smallest unit god right you. get your eth maxi hat on um <laughs> sorry uh and so yeah so ordinals so there's this um the uh when taproot came into bitcoin it created what is kind of like blob space on bitcoin uh an extra way to put data into the blockchain bitcoin it's a trans- data availability layer for bitcoin yes, kind of it, it's not a one-to-one but it's the correct mental model to to understand this uh okay. and so um the the way that this works is that because there's this extra way to add data to bitcoin uh you can add more kinds of data than what would otherwise be a compliant transaction uh and so uh ordinals 
allows you to mint and store data on the Bitcoin blockchain with no external dependencies, no IPFS. Uh, and so when you put data like this on the blockchain, the full kind of data is there. So these NFTs are on the Bitcoin blockchain forever. So these wait, wait. So the NFTs I'm looking at right now, and by mm-hmm. the way, this looks like almost like a sound NFT. Yeah, maybe? it's 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 data, dude. You can put data on Bitcoin now through orders. Wow. So yeah. guys, if you're not seeing this uh, on screen, if you're listening to the podcast, I, what I'm looking at is um, Bitcoin NFTs mm-hmm. that are actually on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. A little slow to load. Um, you know, the TI-83s takes a little bit to boot up. Here it is. Um, <laughs> different apes, I see. Yeah. These are not board apes. The, well, they kind of resemble them. They P- look like pixelated, board ape derivatives. Uh, yeah. apes. I saw some, you know, sound files here. Some weird stuff, but like they look like NFTs. My understanding of these things, David, is like, these are fully on chain. Yes. So it's not like in IPFS somewhere uh, or Arweave. This is actually on the Bitcoin blockchain. And uh, you have to pay fees, Mm -hmm. like Bitcoin fees, in order to store this data on the Bitcoin blockchain. Right. It's like you have to consume Bitcoin sells blocks. They do too? Bitcoin, just like Ethereum, Bitcoin also sells blocks. And so if you would like to put your data on Bitcoin, you have to buy that block space. Well, this sounds great. How exciting. Bitcoin is now entering NFTs. I'm sure everyone was really excited about this. If people want to consume Bitcoin block space and to put data there, they are free to do so. Um, Not everyone was excited about this this is this <laughs> okay. is a nice visualization so this on the left side we have a what's uh, this website is projecting as a projected block and so these are all transactions the squares are the size of the data so the big squares are like bundles of transactions where the smaller squares are individual transactions uh and then on the right you have an ordinal which you can see why it takes the whole block <laughs> it takes the whole well because you can you can take up uh, so as bitcoin, long as you pay for it bitcoin is supposed to go up to like ish one megabyte of normal transaction fees but because of the way taproot works it can or segwit or something you can go all the way up to four megabytes uh, mm-hmm. and so through ordinals you can squeeze in four megabytes of data onto the block Wait, uh, just so the- i understand what i'm looking at so is all the, what is the significance of um this is a, a, a bitcoin a block right right full size. Tran- these are transactions on the left and yeah mm-hmm. is the purple basically um used block space and the green kind of unused block space i don't know no i th- i don't know the difference between um the colors the size is the size of data and the okay. idea is that like more like you can bundle up multiple transactions into one transaction so like a big block on the left side would be like coinbase sending 50 bitcoin transactions at once or 100 bitcoin transactions a batch, at once. A, batch a batch transfer yes okay but then this actual block what we're this seeing is blue block just takes is, the whole thing. is an nft that's an nft <laughs> on bitcoin <laughs> wow yeah so um they're selling block space that's a good thing it's big big block revenue big block okay. revenue uh, so this is Katie, uh, Casey, excuse me, Rotomore, uh, who is the creator of Ordinals. Uh, and there has been a bunch of resistance from the Bitcoin world about this and how some are, have said it is an illegitimate use of Bitcoin. Illegitimate well, transactions are the words bef- that they Before we get used. to Casey's take, can we talk about some of the like the, the pushback against Wait, this? Show that. Show the revenue chart. Go up. Go scroll up and show the revenue chart. OK, that one. This. Yeah. Or excuse me, that's not that's not revenue, but that's block size. But it's kind of the same thing. Uh, so ordinals are inflating block sizes and weights, also generating fees from for uh, for miners. Uh, and okay. so block size is up, block fees are up, and miners are making more money. All right, David. So so what's the controversy? They're selling blocks. Why are people upset? Well, when you take all of that block space and you allow it to be uh, for an NFT, you're pushing out 
you know, what Bitcoin maxis are calling legitimate Bitcoin transactions, as in BTC transfers, which is the narrative of what the point of Bitcoin is. Is Bitcoin, what does Bitcoin do? It transfers Bitcoins from account to account. When you fill up all that space with a JPEG, you get reactions like this, who is, uh, this is Dr. Nick, which I'm going to guess is a Bitcoin maxi. Evil JPEGs are invading the sacred Bitcoin block space. This Maybe, also could be satire. David. This also could be satire. Uh, but, satire. but the point is, is that that is people's takes. Like people, that is a that is a Bitcoin take that that we've seen or or and with takes like it, right? So here's Adam back uh, saying it's fair game for miners to censor this crap as a form of discouragement, saying like, yeah, okay, we don't have to allow this crap into our blockchain. Like miners to just like not allow these transactions to make it into the chain, which is um, a, a take. That's a take. Yeah, he's saying we can recognize Adam back again. We can recognize we can't really stop them, and it's a free world with anonymous miners. But we can also educate and encourage developers who care about Bitcoin's use case to either not do that or to do it in a prunable, space-efficient, e.g. timestamp way. They're trying to enforce this on the social layer, I suppose, because they don't have any other recourse. (laughs) And including in the social layer is also miners, maybe, if you could Mm -hmm. convince miners not to process these uh, sorts of blocks, then maybe you've got something. But aren't miners just rational, interested... um, rationally interested actors and so yeah. they'll just block my they'll whatever take, block they'll take the, the largest fee yeah they, yeah. they want that, bitcoin. they want as much as much bitcoin as possible so they take the highest fee as possible so, and so the highest fee is going to be paid by nfts what's eric wallace take on uh, the bitcoin takes here uh so this is a response to how like bitcoiners are like talking about how ethereum is quote unquote you know censored because of ofac even though that's completely not true so eric eric is saying bitcoin maxis raffle coptered at ethereum validators <laughs> o- censoring ofac transactions when's the last time you heard the word raffle copter middle um, school uh yeah and now themselves are deliberating ways of censoring bitcoin nfts and so uh the irony is not lost on eric wall nor myself okay nor me nor this me. is the creator of this uh, protocol what's the protocol called again ordinals ordinals okay this yeah. is the, the creator of ordinals mm-hmm. and what is he saying here i understand the argument that nfts are lame and stupid but i don't understand the argument that nfts are somehow illegitimate bitcoin has transcended its original creator and purpose bitcoin is not for some things and not and not for other things bitcoin just is which is just to say that there is no such thing as a legitimate or illegitimate use of bitcoin block space if you pay for the block space it's a legitimate transaction is my attitude and that's what casey is saying as well how come this guy sounds more bitcoiner than adam and back does right now i don't know because uh, some bitcoiners have lost the plot what are these what's this uh tweet? this is a it looks like ether rocks were transposed to the bitcoin blockchain ether rocks and nft uh so now there's a bunch of ethereum ether oh, rocks that's gonna make people on, mad on bitcoin yeah those things go inscription, see, is this the doom that you were talking about inscription yeah so, so this is what i was t- tinkering around with i couldn't figure out how to turn but like uh, you you can probably play that right I mean, you can probably play that right now it's hit wasd on your keyboard uh oh, yeah you yeah, yeah you're playing it. you're playing doom shoot those guys shoot them uh with spacebar uh i don't Command. know actually people oh. people are f- trying to figure out how to control this thing i've only figured out how <laughs> I to can move. go forward backward up down <laughs> but ryan is currently playing doom on bitcoin right now wow what a magical experience who said yeah. bitcoin is useless do you know what um <laughs> he, here's what i feel about this debate though like uh transaction fees are real down oh i yeah. just got shot dude i'm escaping out of this game um <laughs> let's go to crypto fees before these guys kill me go to crypto fees.info Let's look at the transaction fees. So Ethereum is selling Dude, 4.2 you, you million. haven't seen Bitcoin this high in such a long time. <laughs> Bitcoin is selling, this is the average daily fees, 4.2 million for Ethereum, 
Average daily fees are 328k for Bitcoin. That's a, I remember that's a time. Really high. <laughs> I remember time when Bitcoin was way bigger than Ethereum in terms mm-hmm. of transaction fees. Yeah. And I remember um, people like Nick Carter would actually talk about this yeah. and say how good this was for Bitcoin. Showed yeah. the strength of Bitcoin. Now it's way down. If you are a Bitcoiner, don't you want to right. increase Bitcoin block space sales because over time your issuance goes to zero? It's going to go to zero, and then the only way you can actually secure your network is through block space fee sales. So mm-hmm. you want these to be as high as possible, don't you? What am I missing here? Well, so they, the Bitcoiner philosophy is that this uh, removes the moneyness of Bitcoin. So the, the, the comparison here is that gold, the, mon- gold, the value of gold is like 99.99% monetary premium and like 0.001% use in industry. Like gold wires, like gold teeth, gold plating, and stuff like that. And uh, Bitcoiner philosophy is that it's bullish that to have only monetary premium and no utility because you're just a money. And that is that like immaculate conception story. It's all about you know premium, yeah, yeah, premium, premium. I, I get that, but in order to do that, you actually have to make um, you actually have to win that narrative battle and mm-hmm. make Bitcoin enough money so that. The Bitcoin transactions crowd out all of the other use right. of Bitcoin block space. Right. Like you right. have to earn that. You can't just this is the way we want it. Right. Bitcoin has to earn those blocks, sure. doesn't it? Sure. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, so what's happening here is that Bitcoin is actually growing in utility, as in, hey, we can use the Bitcoin block space to store data and do things with those data. Now, fun fact: this is actually the same philosophy as Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. Which is definitely not. Uh, I don't claim to uh, understand the, Craig, what, the scam project by Craig Wright. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, so whether it's definitely not Satoshi's vision. Not that I know what Satoshi's vision was, but no one knows what Satoshi's vision was. But the idea of Satoshi's vision is like they had something like gigabyte size blocks or something like two hundred and fifty six megabyte size blocks, something crazy, yeah. and they would put like. They would just like have it log like weather, like just log the state of the world. Like and they started with weather data. But the idea was that you would just be able to put all the data on Bitcoin, Bitcoin SV. Uh, And so this is a little bit on that spectrum, right? Like enough, like four megabytes for NFTs on Bitcoin so that you can host data on Bitcoin and generate block space demand uh, for that. So that's kind of what's happening here. Uh, And then Bitcoiners are like, no, Bitcoin is for money and money alone. We should say some Bitcoiners. Some Bitcoiners. More the fundamentalist tribe. Sorry, sorry to, yeah. I don't mean to blanket all Bitcoiners. <laughs> it's interesting. I, it's very interesting to see how this uh, kind of evolves over time, David. And uh, in order to facilitate these conversations, because that's what Bankless does, we like to facilitate conversation, uh, I'm hosting Eric Wall and Casey Rodimer. Rodimer. Uh, we're recording tonight. We might be live streaming. Uh, or And if we're not live streaming, then we'll re- release it later. Uh, but the uh, creator of Ordinals plus Eric Wall, who's my Bitcoiner, uh, substitute co-host on Bankless uh, to come in and, and talk about this. Uh, so we're recording that tonight. That show will be out soon. That will be fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's talk about FTX. So FTX creditor list, it was released and mm-hmm. it includes <coughs> a whole bunch of star athletes, crypto firms, and state governments. David, mm-hmm. who does FTX owe money at this point? What are some of the names? Give us the juicy details. I think I can do this all in one breath. You ready? Yeah, go. Okay, a list of creditors are Apple, 
Amazon Web Services, Meta, LinkedIn, Twitter, Netflix, Adobe, Coinbase, Binance Capital Man- Management, Chainalysis, Yuga Labs, Doodles, BlockFi, Silvergate Bank, Wall Street Journal, Coindesk, Benzinga, Tom Brady, David Ortiz from the Red Sox, the Prime Minister of Bahamas, other government officials for other island nations, as well as U.S. state tax, consumer affairs, and attorney general offices. Uh, that was just that was just the names that we put decided to say. <laughs> there are other nice names job. as well. <laughs> nice job. You need breath. Um, this just in as well. Judge A judge rules that the identities of two people who helped secure SBF's $250 million bail can be made public. So outstanding question is, how did SBF get the money for bail? Because mm-hmm. I thought his account was down to kind of zero at this point. 100, and everything 000. else was frozen. 100,000. He has 100,000. So he says. He, so he says. So he says. So we're about we're gonna, to find out who posted $250 million of bail and probably also where that money came from. But no, we do not know yet. Who do you think it was? Any guesses? Uh, CZ. I, <laughs> <laughs> the least likely person to do it would be CZ. Oh Got to have some friends with a lot of money. I guess somewhere. I mean, who he, still he, is... Who still is SBF's friend with a lot of money at this point? Because I, I it seems hope it's like a Democrat. <laughs> a lot of the friends. Why do you hope this? Because ho- of peak drama. <laughs> okay. D- David is optimizing for peak drama right now. I'm optimizing wow. for drama right now, yeah. Do, do you know, so like, because he's lost his friends, a lot of money. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine any friend who would have this kind of resource. So yeah. let's see. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. There's zero people who have to consider themselves SBF friends anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe still got some friends for some reason. There's also some uh, maybe evidence, <coughs> it's hard to know, of witness tampering here. This is a tweet from uh, Tier10K, the account. It, I, I should uh, mention, we haven't checked this as a source, so I'm not sure right. 100%. But this is allegedly an email from Sam Bankman Freed to possibly a witness in the entire FDX case. And this is SBF saying, hey, blank. I know it's been a while since we've talked. Now I know things have ended up in the wrong foot. Mm. I would really love to reconnect and see if there's a way for us to have a constructive relationship, use each other's resource as resources when possible, or at least vet things with each other. <laughs> I mean, what do you think is the implication of this type of an email, assuming it's true, David? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's easy to tell an email when the through line is, hey, I have a request of you. That's let's basically our, what this email is. He's saying, uh, let's get our story straight before yes. we go in there. Yeah. Also, can you please help me uh, spin my narrative? <laughs> What's interesting uh, is... Apparently, there was multiple emails like this. So that was just... This is just one email. There's other emails like, here, here's another one. Almost the same copy pasta. So here, the, here's a different email to a different person. Hey, Ray. Uh, hey, Mr. Ray. Uh, who is this? Uh, Ray, John Ray. Uh, I know things haven't gotten off on the right foot, but I do want to be helpful whether on the funds or on anything else. Hopefully, it's just you guys moving the funds. I don't know what that means, but it's not good. As, a, as I'm guessing you heard, I'm in New York City for the next day. I'd love to meet up while I'm here or even if just to say hi. Why does SPF have enough time on his hands to just say hi to people? In case you're available, I'm free before noon Eastern or from roughly 4 to 6 tomorrow, Tuesday in the city. Why oh, is he writing oh, he's all he's in of New this- York. Yo, SPF, uh, come over. To my place. You want you want SBF to come over to your house? Yeah, well, well, I've got I've got a, a studio here in the back. I'll sit right there, and SBF will sit right there, and we'll do a podcast. SBF, come oh on, uh, send me an imagine? email. See, uh, send yeah, me an email like this. Yeah, dear yeah. Mr. Hoffman, I know the last conversation we had was somewhat contentious. I'm here to make amends. I, first, I wanted to say I'm sorry. I'd be happy to swing by your place. Don't do it, David. Um, well, you know what. 
this is what's happening. Of course, uh, some things like that, rumors like that. Maybe mm. these are uh, real emails and correspondences. Uh-huh. So a federal judge just barred SBF from contacting any of these people, any of the people at FTX and any of the people uh, uh, at Alameda via signal. Apparently he was doing this via signal as well. So um, to try to put a stop to that. To, to add on to that, in addition to he is now banned from contacting FTX and Alameda employees, he is also banned from using Signal at all to contact anyone because oh, of really? si- yes, yeah, he is not allowed to use Signal. signal yes, Dad says no more Signal. Sorry, yeah. SBF. Um, uh, so also- allegedly, he reached out to FTX U.S.'s general counsel Ryan Miller via Signal, and I'm guessing Ryan Miller went straight to the authorities, which is probably why we know that. Yeah, I'm, I think you'd probably want to do that at this point. By the way, David, if you do get DM'd by SBF, you should probably like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Would I get in so trouble for not reporting that to the authorities? If SBF like DM'd me on said, Signal probably. and he was like, let's do a podcast, do I have to report that to the depends authorities? Depends what or, else he or, said <laughs> after that sentence, I think. SBF, hit me up, bro. <laughs> on SBF's mother and brother are not cooperating with the financial probe, uh, apparently. It's very weird how his family is tied up into this. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll see some more unfolding there. As yeah. soon as the documentary comes up, produced by Malk, Mark Wahlberg. This is, not, Mark? this is not a rug. This should be your rug, like, news article. Marky Mark. It is so, that's a difficult ask, Ryan, to make the rug produce the most ridiculous headlines in this space. <laughs> that is a hard ask. So, I've heard there are many different documentaries. So Marky yeah. Mark's going to have his work cut out for him if he's going to produce the canonical documentary. This one's about FTX and Binance, though. Some mm. sort of rivalry. Uh, wow. How weird is this? I, Mark, Mark Wahlberg making a <laughs> documentary about FTX. This is a great time. I just wish he starred in it. Who would, in, <laughs> we, we, are, we, are deserve, we deserve this. this we deserve this? We deserve. Crypto deserves yeah, in this? In a good way. Yeah. Like we've gone through way. so much pain. We need Marky Mark to... Uh, Marky he's only producing it, David. I, I need him oh, to be Oh, he's not in it? it. No, oh, he's fine, not in it. Fine. Fine. That's fine. I mean, he would make a great... Let me see. Marky Mark. Who's he the most like in crypto? Uh, he can be, hmm. there's no one like Marky Mark in crypto. Yeah. Have any analog? Uh, I don't, I'm not very good at, at Brian Armstrong. Uh, no, not even close. It, it would be a, yeah. Uh, I don't know. No. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Marky Mark's only producing it. He's not acting in it. So, uh, <laughs> that's the news this week. Those are the big news items. <laughs> David, what do we got coming up next? Why should people stick around? Uh, you should stick around because this is apparently a very giggly episode. Ethereum OFAC compliance. Is it up or down? Place your bets. Uh, also, after that, which communities are willing to self-limit their staking percentage for the stake of the uh, for the sake of the Ethereum economy? Uh, we also got talks about Optimism Bedrock, uh, staking withdrawals, Testnet, uh, Immutable X, uh, Harmony, mismanaging funds and bullying workers. We're going to talk about that. It doesn't look good. Uh, the Blur and Open Sea Wars, Cardano Stablecoin. We are able to look inside of WorldCoin Orb. There's so many reasons to stick around, so don't go anywhere. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this episode possible. Let's start this off with some good news. Did you know, David, OFAC-compliant blocks are now down? They're less than 60%. Mm -hmm. That is down from something like 80 to 85% at their peak. 
first of all, refresh people. What are we talking about when we say OFAC compliant blocks? We're talking the context of Ethereum. And why is that being down a good thing? Why are we saying that's a good thing? Yeah, so there are certain sets of block relayers. There's not that many of them. And some of them have stated, hey, we are an OFAC compliant relayer, as in we will not process any tornado cast transactions in our blocks. And so the percentage of blocks going through these relayers is what we're looking at here. Uh, and so uh, over time, more and more of these relayers were processing more and more of the Ethereum blocks being OFAC compliant. That hit 85% at the peak, I think is what you said. It's worth noting that it only takes one relayer to process non-OFAC compliant blocks. So Ethereum doesn't, like your tornado cast transaction, if you're outside of the U.S., doesn't get censored unless it, it one can hun- never really be censored. It can never it can just really be, be slowed censored. down. Yes, exactly. And so even at 99.9% of OFAC compliance, you are still able to get your transaction in. You just have to wait longer. That, like you said, peaked out at 85%. We are now down to 60%. And uh, the, the this number is falling because there are more and more non-OFAC compliant relays uh, coming up and online. Uh, Ultrasound Money, the Ultrasound website that we love so much, has a relayer. There's Agnostic Boost, which has a Relayer, and this is this is just going to trend towards zero over time. Um, not totally. Towards It'll never zero. be completely It'll never, zero. Yeah, It'll... but like so people will want to maintain like compliance with their nation state. Like shocker. Um, but the, yeah. the fear and fud around this thing was always totally misguided. And like Ryan and I said, like it's it's it was going to inevitably fix itself, and we are currently watching that play out. The lowest it's been since October 2022. Why do we care so much about this? Is because the credible neutrality and censorship resistance of a layer one blockchain matters yeah all right if it's not ofac it's somebody else trying to censor you mm-hmm. and uh, that's a bad thing for a credibly neutral settlement layer for the world um david ethereum news as well the uh staking withdrawal test net mm-hmm. has just gone live that means it's coming right we said that last week yep. but uh still on track it looks like the upgrade to ethereum uh, that will enable withdrawals withdrawals of stake is is coming pretty fast yeah, users will be able to try out the, with various withdrawals and deposit features six days after the testnet launches when it will be implemented in the Shanghai and Capella testnets. Uh, and so users will can uh, try out depositing to validators, get a sense for how the user interface will behave, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on track for withdrawals in late March. Uh, but that late March timeline is a timeline that is my speculation that is not uh, any, any official timeline. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll have a lot of content about what's oh, going to yeah. happen to ETH price oh. around that. Um, could it go up? Could it go down? We will see. Uh, some news from Optimism. Bedrock is mm-hmm. to be deployed. What is Bedrock? Bedrock is the new Optimism mainnet. Uh, and so it is the first application of the OP stack, which I am super bullish on. Uh, and so oh, the Optimism's Bedrock is their flavor of the OP stack. OP stack is like this uh, uh, uniform skeleton for producing any sort of Optimism chain. And so Optimism Bedrock is the proposal to have the Optimism layer 2 upgrade to Bedrock is now being put forth to the token house. So this is the Optimism dual house governance model. You have the citizen's house and the token house. The token house is, of course, the OP token holders. The citizen house is the holders of a soulbound NFT that makes you part of the Optimism Collective. It's basically like non-fungible governance plus fungible governance. So not just token vote, but also known citizens of the of the citizen house uh, making proposals and then the OP token house uh, voting and to approve or not approve. Uh, so this is Bedrock is the next crucial uh, upgrade to a modular, simp- simplified and performant multi-chain future. Uh, and like I said, it is uh, implements the modular architecture that separates the OP stack into its three components, consensus, execution and settlement. 
Yeah, pretty cool. It turns it my the way I think of it very simply is it turns optimism into sort of a uh, an app chain ecosystem where anybody yes. can spin up an optimistic roll up chain. Yes, it sets the foundation for it. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is uh, some interesting culture wars between mm-hmm. RPL, the Rocket Pool community, and Lido. Um, this is the tweet from Nixo saying. <coughs> Absolutely wild how different two protocol votes can look when one community is active, invested in long-term health of the chain, and the other is there for dominance and short-term gains. Well, that, that might be a, a rocket pool-sided uh, tweet there, yeah. but what is actually happening? What is the the neutral way to interpret what, what's happened? Some on-chain vote, mm-hmm. what were they voting about? Yeah, so Lido voted as to whether or not they should self-limit. And what this means is that if you are above a certain threshold of the percentage of Ethereum stake, that threshold being 33%, you have more powers than you would have if you had less than 33%. So things are more decentralized if something like Lido were to have 33% of all Ethereum stake. So Lido, once upon a time, voted, do we self-limit ourselves to preserve the credible neutrality of Ethereum? And 998 uh, percent of Lido voters said no, don't self limit. Uh, this that was sta- back in June, by the th- way. This was a long time ago. Yes, but what's yeah. news is that Rocket Pool just did the vote uh, for the same vote, saying uh, should Rocket Pool self limit ourselves. Uh, and not go above that 33% threshold. And 100% of Rocket Pool votes said yes. Uh, and so this is just the difference of culture here. Uh, and so the, the Anthony Cezano take is that it shouldn't need to be said, but that Lido is a for-profit company while Rocket Pool is a uh, protocol that attempts to establish credible neutrality. Uh, so culture wars. Here we go. Yeah, culture wars. I mean, both approaches will be tried, certainly. What is the immutable Rock, passport? It's, it's also worth noting, and just to check our biases here, Ryan and I and Bankless are a part of the ODAO for Rocket Pool. Uh, so we do own a supply of Rocket Pool. Uh, we do own a supply of RPL. We also stake with Rocket Pool. So we have exposure to the Rocket Pool side of things. The reason why we do that is because Rocket Pool tends to be more aligned with Ethereum. So Bankless tends to be more aligned with Rocket Pool. I think that's a fair take. Is that a fair take? That's a fair take, but we also have some Lido tokens too, David. And Lido has been a sponsor in the past. Yeah, I did not know that. The more you know, I did yeah. not know that Full we own Lido tokens. I, we're uh, we're bullish staking. Um, no, generally bullish staking. Yes. Uh huh. Immutable X. They rolled out a passport. This is instant wallet onboarding. It says the Immutable Passport is a non-custodial wallet and authentication solution that streamlines user onboarding through passwordless sign-on. Mm-hmm. Okay, here, here's a problem. You're trying to onboard a whole bunch of gamers, David. Is you have to make them create um private keys and remember a 12 you know word, word um seed phrase or 24 word seed phrase that's pretty hard for gamers yeah. like yeah, i just want that. to play my game right like, what are you giving me these, these words, words out of my if face. i lose and yeah. they're gone mm-hmm. um well this is instant onboarding it takes care of that through immutable x and it creates an authentication solution i'm also reminded you know of our news last week where um doodles was like hey we're moving blockchains we're moving from ethereum to flow mm-hmm. why because we want people to be able to sign in with their Gmail account, just an email account. Flow gives us that out of the box. And well, also so a bunch of money. Twos. Well, maybe. <laughs> That's the cynical take, maybe yeah. the accurate take. It's also the cynical take. But uh, Immutable X is graduating to that as well. Obviously, a core requirement to onboard the world is we have to make private key management a lot easier. So that's what mm-hmm. they're doing. Uh, David, Harmony execs mismanaged funds and bullied workers. X staff claim that's the headline what is going on in harmony and by the way what is harmony not another layer one eth killer from the previous cycle 
Harmony is one of those many uh, EVM clones out there that, that tried to fight for relevancy in the alt layer one mania. Um, they were at ETH Denver. They flew in some DJ, some famous DJ for Ooh. like half a million dollars at ETH Denver. And the DJ, nice. this is a, a story that I've heard from previous Harmony employees. Uh, the DJ was like, uh, you have to buy me a complete DJ set for this one set. And they did. Uh, cool. <laughs> anyways, mismanagement of funds. Not No surprise. So some quotes from the article. Um, former contractors accused Harmony co-founders of misconduct and mismanagement. Uh, there's a, one of the founders of uh, Harmony. I don't know how to pronounce his name. TSE. Say. Say. Uh, is uh, Had this like kind of Adam Newman type cult mentality around him. Uh, so he exhibited some particular behavior, which I would consider extremely toxic. Uh, shutting staffers laptop in the middle of work to command attention. Uh, employees were forced to play over an hour of basketball every single day, despite how busy or productive you're trying to be. Wait, uh, that's not normal? That, no. Uh, <laughs> then there was multiple stories about how, say, TSE, again, I, can't, I don't know that, how to pronounce the name, um, would grab staff by the arm and move them around like chess pieces at company events. Talk behind their backs and belittle them in front of colleagues and associates and also quote would often stand up in front of us and say i want to cry make me cry and he would ask us to tell a story to try and make him cry which was very weird uh they were hiring (laughs) full-time employees and paying them as contractors and the contractors didn't get time off or other benefits uh again from the article say was physically assaultive in harmony's palo alto office by one wallet co-founder uh i don't know how to pronounce that name sorry um there was a fight He's yeah. physically assaulted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, the amount of documentaries he can make in crypto, you just got to um, find the right one to do. Uh, that's not the end of this. One wallet was a application. I think that was given a bunch of money. Uh, yes, was promised $1 million grants to build a social wallet. Uh, say ignored messages from wall- one wallet about this funding promise. And so promise funding didn't pay them. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, they, it, it, it's pretty bad. The other, more. the other story I have, which is a story from a friend of mine, uh, is that they, the employees or contractors of Harmony, were paid in the token. And so they were given a token at a certain price to compensate them for their salary as a contractor. So the, the token was marked at a certain price and then was sent to the contractors a few weeks later. And over the course of 2022, that token price was down only. And so they were never actually receiving the amount of money of that they were given in their contract because they didn't pay them in USEC or stable coins. They paid them in the L1 token. The issue that is going that uh, this particular person who used to be a contractor for Harmony um, is having is that they are now two days after before the deadline having to uh, they were given some like W2 some like IRS statement saying like okay here's how much we paid you you have to pay this much in taxes but the harmony incentive is to inflate how much compensation they had so they can write it off for tax benefits which means that all of their statements their uh, their claimed amount of compensation paid to contractors is overinflated because they're trying to overinflate they have to pay tax on the overinflated money right? exactly no. right and they yeah. never actually got the money out and so the story of harmony is like you have this like cult leader l1 founder and the token price went way too high they mismanaged money they paid for djs they're throwing their contractors under the bus and the reason why i really wanted to pay attention to this is this is some of the stuff that as an industry we have to make sure does not exist in our industry and we need to self-regulate against it and it's Let's such not a hard be task. so dumb last cycle like last cycle people are so dumb i mean and Harmony, even specifically, people are like, why Why does Bankless not have Harmony on the podcast? Were you guys ETH maximalists? Why do you right. cover other L1 ecosystems? I'm like, mm-hmm. we don't have to cover every L1 ecosystem. 
I, I don't know anything about this. The way it's presenting is, uh, it, it seems a little strange. It seems mm-hmm. a little anti-crypto values. Now you find out all of this. This is why we're not like um, bringing everybody on 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 bankless and advocating right. for their projects. There's a lot of toxicity here. What, what a poorly named project, though. Harmony. Yeah. Like everything you described is uh, a little bit of the opposite of of Harmony. I'd say. And yeah, uh, yeah it's a shame. Um, yeah. Big big cringe. Harmony. Well, we'll leave- har- so like the idea is like Harmony is trying to get compliant with the U.S. government because they know the the eye is on them. Meanwhile, they're just throwing all of their previous workers under the bus in order to do so. Harmony, be better. <coughs> um, I'm just happy to kind of move on leave yeah. projects like that founders like that in the dustbin of history here yeah. uh nft stuff though there is a war going on did you know mm-hmm. david between blur versus OpenSea? tell us about it this is a tweet from panda jackson giving us the tldr what is it uh yeah so this is a really good tweet thread so i'm going to try and speed run this but i'm going to read the whole thing OpenSea and blur are the top two nft marketplaces three months ago OpenSea defended against blur by requiring new collections to block blur in order to get enforced royalties this was not necessarily like hey don't use our competitor this is OpenSea's um enforcing royalty philosophy and blur doesn't enforce royalties and so these are antagonists royalties for the creators royalties for the creators yes i'm a creator i have an nft every time that gets sold there's a five percent royalty i get that money and open sees like we want to enforce that for the creators right so that's the smart contract level yes enforce it it. at the smart contract level and so open trying to enforce that at the smart contract level is uh, asynchronous with what Blur is trying to do, which is trying to have the best NFT trading experience for the lowest prices, which means they don't enforce royalties. Blur tried to get itself removed from OpenSea's block list, but it failed. Um, three days ago from this tweet thread, which was two days ago, so five days ago, six days ago since the time of listening, sorry, uh, Blur took a free ride on OpenSea's Seaport protocol to bypass OpenSea's block list. Uh, I'll explain what that means. So now all collections are now accessible for trading on Blur. And so the idea is that like NFT um, collections would have to pick one or the other, OpenSea or Blur. What do you do? You want to uh, incentivize trading and then you go to Blur. Do you want to incentivize and enforce royalties? You go to OpenSea. Blur found this clever way to embed itself into OpenSea and open up the doors once again so collections can go back to Blur. So uh, in November of 2022, OpenSea implemented a new policy. Collections seeking enforced royalties must block marketplaces that don't fully honor them. Since Blur didn't honor royalties, they are on the block list. Uh, after Blur's launch in 10 of 2022, October, uh, it was on the rise and even surpassed OpenSea's daily volume for some time, becoming a threat to OpenSea's dominance. OpenSea's new policy effective, effectively created a defense line def- to defend its dominant position from emerging competitors like Blur. In the short term, OpenSea's defense line has been proven effective as new collections like Liuka's Sewer Pass chose to align with OpenSea and they blocked Blur. Uh, Blur responded by promising to enforce royalties for new collections, and then they made a request claiming that Blur met OpenSea's criteria so that they'd be uh, removed from the block list. Uh, OpenSea, however, replied that his policy required enforcing royalties for all collections, not just new collections. As a result, Blur could not defeat its defenses and still existed on OpenSea's block list. So Blur finds a loophole by leveraging OpenSea's Seaport to create a new exchange system. As Seaport, which is a product out of OpenSea, it's a smart contract, uh, is not on OpenSea's block list, it makes sense. Collections blocking Blur become tradable on it through the new system and with enforced royalties. As a result, Blur now has two systems to execute two different kinds of trades on its marketplace. The old one continues to handle collections that do not block it, while the new one manages to uh, manages collections previously blocked. User experience is smooth as Blur chooses the system automatically. So basically, 
specifically, Blur has two systems, one that is OpenSea compliant and the OpenSea uncompliant one uses the C port smart contracts, which makes it OpenSea compliant. So like Blur basically snuck into OpenSea and can still do like no Why do we uh, care? Why does any of this matter, David? I think the, the answer to that is really just summed up by Lee Jin's tweet here. She says, it looks like we're converging on zero creator royalties. This likely leads to higher initial mint prices and more frequent mints. Creators reserve or withhold more of their collections to capture ongoing value. And they also incentivize carrots to uh, incentivize optional royalties with more perks slash utilities. This is really about the conversation of can we enforce royalties and does the market want that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, right? Because there's an element where I could see some some creators wanting royalties, right? It's just almost like it's almost like copyright. Yeah. In the kind of the nation state world, if you're an author, maybe you want copyright laws to protect your work so you can make the most money out of it. Now, there's an element I could see creators would want to enforce that royalty, but assets, liquidity, markets want to be free, don't mm-hmm. they? Yep. And so if they can bypass royalties, they absolutely will. And so that's why Lee Jin is saying, well, when you have Blur fighting against OpenSea, the one that bypasses the royalty is ultimately going to win because Mm -hmm. these royalties are not really enforced (coughs) deeply at the protocol level. Um, And so they can be be bypassed, which is interesting. And that just means the market will respond differently. Creators will be Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm not getting royalties. So what am I going to do? Maybe I mint a collection, but I reserve a bunch of that for my treasury. Because mm-hmm. I know I'm not getting royalties in the future. Maybe I do smaller, more frequent um, mints. That's sort of the, the creator response to this. But in general, I'm not concerned about this. Like I just think the market will figure it out. Yeah. And uh, these are good, good things to, yeah. to have um, be figured out in the, in the market. Um, Cardano has a brand new stablecoin over, collateral, over collateralized stablecoin called DJED. DJED. DJED, pegged to the US dollar, backed by ADA with Shen as its reserve coin. Congrats, Cardano, you've made it to 2018 Ethereum. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, moving on, WorldCoin is opening up the hardware powering the orb. So if you want to take a peek under the or under the hood of the orb, you can see how the orb works. Uh, this is something that has been kept secret, uh, the, the secret sauce behind how WorldCoin works, which is why I've never stuck my eyeball you, you in there. You stick your eye socket in this and they give you coins. Are yes. you going to do it? <laughs> yes, Absolutely no. not. No? <laughs> that this is way creepy. too dystopian. Yeah. You no. would never do this. Real world I identity? I don't <coughs> even care if like, this. I'll just put my bias on the table here. I don't even care if they come out on the table and be like, yo, we don't collect any data. We don't use your data. Here's, we can prove that to you. Don't make sci-fi dystopian toys. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> this image alone, right? Just I don't care. Just here. Or, like, I don't know. That's, that's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for them. People don't even like to go to the optometrist. You ever been to the optometrist, David? Not Speaking on behalf time, of all yeah. the glasses wearers you know yeah. that thing that like that, that um th- where they test your eye pressure and they mm-hmm. shoot like a burst of air into your eye i don't know that oh, i hate that thing <laughs> i've had that you have to you like literally they you make you hate. like hold you have to hold your eye open and you don't know when it's coming and then just like a burst of air right in your eye that's what this that sounds awful that sounds sorry awful. world coin maybe it's way better than we're saying um <laughs> Who knows? But it's just, uh, I'm sorry. You, you made a dystopian looking orb thing that I'm supposed to stick my eye into. That's your guys's problem. <laughs> <laughs> wow. David's not even willing to embrace the tech. No uh, it's no hard way. to go mainstream that way. All right. Celsius just listed the names of people eligible to withdraw. What did we learn here? 
Celsius has published the names of users who are allowed to withdraw 94% of their assets locked on the platform. Ryan, have you tried to get your money back out of Celsius No, yet? they haven't contacted me. Where do I go? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Am I? It's only users under a, a certain criteria. Transfers had to be less than some amount, $7,500. Uh, what else? And only specific, I don't know, some subset were able some, to get some yeah. money out. Let us know. Congrats. <laughs> hey, 94% recovery. If that is what it is, that's great. For 10 dudes got this, David. That's probably it. Who oh. knows? I'm not very happy about, like, I'm sure Celsius users are not happy about what's what's going on in Celsius for sure. The money ain't there is the big problem. Uh, this is something I saw, which was interesting, but I didn't get a chance to dive in. Maybe you know more. Elon Musk wants Twitter's payment system to be built with crypto in mind. Hmm. Yeah, so he is alleged to wanting to make Twitter into an everything app. Sounds like like the the China apps, like the WeChat, uh, and includes having money in there. Uh, Not necessarily crypto, but not not crypto. And that's the news. What else do you use besides crypto? Use a stablecoin or something. Everything else is so hard to... You can do like Venmo stuff. You can do like nation state payment rails. I know, but that's all connecting into like the banking system and like, you know, Plaid. He's he's not a crypto person, He's, He's Elon Musk. Come on, Elon. I don't understand why it doesn't get on board. Uh, David, what do we got here? Amazon NFT initiative coming soon. The exclusive from, from Blockworks. What are they? What is Amazon doing with the NFTs? Uh, no one knows. They just said that they're doing an NFT initiative. It's coming in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the news. Really exciting. We'll mm-hmm. see what that is. David, what do we got coming up next? Incoming is questions from the nation. If we have privacy in crypto, will the bad guys be able to get away with it? And also open NFT mints. Are they an open thing? And then also Ryan is going to talk to us exactly what Max Payne is. It has to do with taxes. Uh, (laughs) So stay tuned for all of that and more. But first, a moment to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Guys, we're back with the questions from the nation. This is a question from Abraham CR. They say, I listened to the news on the wormhole hacker activity during last week's rollup. What will happen when we have fully deployed ZK rollups? Will we lose track of how the hacker is behaving? Do you have an hourglass to catch these people before ZK check ZK is fully implemented? So what happens, David, when we get privacy on chain? Do the hackers just get away with everything? Is that a bad outcome or a good outcome? Uh, First, I want to make sure that we're not um, mixing up something. ZK rollups are not private by default. Necessarily, yes. Necessarily. They can be. Uh, Aztec is a ZK, ZK rollup, and Aztec is private, but anything like the Polygon or ZK Sync or any other ZK rollup isn't necessarily, it's not privacy technology, Mm -hmm. but you can do privacy technology on a ZK rollup. So I just want to make sure that is true. Aztec is really the only one that we're aware of that is kind of farthest beyond that is privacy on a ZK rollup. Yeah. You know how actually this Tornado Cash smart contract on the Ethereum layer one is banned by OFAC, but can't yes. you just deploy Tornado Cash on a layer two and then use that? Because it's a different contract address. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what happens if you do that. It's Does going to have trouble. Though. I don't know. <laughs> Did you? I don't know. Anyways, uh, What's okay, legal so in this country? I don't know. I, I think the in spirit of this question is in the future, we're probably going to have a bunch of privacy tools, correct? And the yes. answer to that is 100%. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if that is the case, will we just lose track of the hacker, hackers? Uh, the answer to that is probably, but it's also going to be a cat and mouse game. It's going to be just like an arms race like everything else. So privacy tools will get better and then tracing tools will get better and then mm-hmm. privacy tools will get better and tracing tools will get better. Mm-hmm. I will say that uh, cryptography always tilts power to the hands of the individual and mm-hmm. so i would say individuals over institutions are 
have the advantage here. Um, but that does not mean that institutions can't brute force this and figure out where that stolen money went. They can figure it out. Honestly, probably. I'm I'm fine with an internal an eternal cat and mouse game. I feel mm-hmm. like that balance of power, where mm-hmm. a little bit individual side, right. uh, a little bit the state, and they come back and forth, back and forth. I mean, a lot of things about uh, crypto and blockchain make things more easily traceable. A lot of things about the internet make things more easily traceable. But if you remove crypto and if you remove privacy on chain, right, then, oh my God, it is complete surveillance. The individual has no protection against this. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, there is, I mean, there's, there is no mouse. There's just cats Mm -hmm. kind of controlling everything. Right. Right. And so I sort of like the back and forth of the surveillance tools get, get smarter. Crypto gets a little better, invent solutions. Like, I think that's important for a, a society like this. And let's, also remind folks listening to this is think about cash we've had the existence of cash money which is not digitally traceable for hundreds of years Mm. and before that we had other non-traceable analog forms of money for thousands of years the world didn't end it was okay like we're all fine i mean of course there was some illicit activity but authorities found ways to go find where that illicit activity was in real life Mm -hmm. and bust the bad guys That'll be the same. What we're talking about in the absence of on-chain privacy solutions is a complete surveillance of every single transaction that every person in the world ever does. That does not feel like a good balance of power. That that feels very scary to me. So this is why Bankless, we are advocates Mm -hmm. of on-chain privacy, even acknowledging that there is some trade-off there and some bad guys may get away with some things some of the time. And we know that nation states are going to make it harder for individuals to access privacy. But as an industry, we will fight back about this. And eventually, I have very strong confidence that individuals will be able to fully access total and complete privacy tools uh, because that is our constitutional right. We just have to have this phase of time where we fight where, where we fight them. Yeah, let's fight for the social norms. I mean, yeah. like, imagine yeah. if the nation state said all communication should be unencrypted. Right. Uh, let's ban Signal. Sorry. Yeah. We need a copy via our PRISM database of all electronic communication that all of our... Why? To to make sure we don't have domestic terrorism, right? Mm-hmm. Or international terrorism, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not an advocate for that. And what no. does it mean? It, it means that some bad people will communicate bad things and organize using these communication technology. But um, yeah, that's, that's just the trade-off that we have to live with if we're going to have yeah. a free society. Uh, yeah. my take on it anyway. Here's a, a second question from Zero X Redden. Hey guys, curious to get your thoughts around the open edition meta that is happening in the NFT space. Feels like creators are moving away from the traditional NFT 721s and 1155s. Do you feel like open editions make NFTs more accessible to the mainstream? What's your take on this? What's an open edition, David? Yeah, an open edition is an NFT mint that doesn't have a cap. Uh, and so anyone can come and mint it. Sometimes they close it in time. So like you have 24 hours to mint this, but there's no like supply cap. Um, there is uh, in the world of NFT Twitter right now, people are talking about like, do they like open mints? And I've heard a lot of collectors say they don't really like open mints. Um, it kind of like takes the magic out of it. But I think creators do like open mints. Uh, why that is true, I think, is uh, is interesting to unpack. The question, do you think open editions will make NFTs more accessible to mainstream? I don't really think that's the secret sauce. Um, I think there are reasons to do open mints. I think there are reasons to do closed mints. I think we will ultimately settle on whatever the market will figure this out. And it's 
kind of the up to the creator, right? Because they're the one who gets to do this choice, and they're probably going to pick the one, the mechanism of NFT minting that puts the most amount of money into their pockets. If that's yeah, it's just a new experiment to try, right? So this is um, Mm a NFT. I believe this is a a producer and artist um, Mm -hmm. on the music side of things who tried an open mint experiment, and this is a thread I ran across, uh, David. You know. I was thinking of when I read this question, he, he did a open mint for um, an open edition drop of some music, I believe. He said with just under two hours left and 200 editions sold, here are a few of his takeaways. His takeaway was the pace of an open edition felt overall healthier. He had his OG collectors waiting at the doors eager to collect, but he was surprised with the trickle effect he got through the rest of the day. He sold close to 75 additional NFTs after the first hour. He said it was way less stress for the collector because as a collector, uh, you can take the time uh, to to buy the NFT. You don't have to go to the store being bummed that everything uh, is on back order. And he said there was less pressure on the artist as well. He said the price and, and quantity dynamic goes out of the window, making the decision for the artist way easier. So th- there were some benefits, and he summarizes mm-hmm. this thread in his experience saying, open editions aren't necessarily the end-all, be-all model, but the overall steps forward for both the artist and collector feel like a net positive for most cases. So this mm-hmm. particular artist, like the experiment, will probably try it again. And that's what's going to happen. There's a lot of experimentation around open editions, and that's kind of bullish, kind of healthy. I think that's I think that's a good perspective. Uh, you and I both missed the Chris uh, Chris Berniski uh, Bankless Mint because it was the closed. Pod, our podcast mint. Our podcast mint, yeah, the Bankless yeah. NFT podcast collectible, and we, we missed it. We, we, were, we were recording another podcast, uh, which bummed me out because I really wanted to collect that one. Uh, if it had been an open mint, I wouldn't have had felt. I wouldn't have felt rushed. All of the all of the Bankless NFT collectibles have like sold out inside of five blocks. So if you are not there ready to mint then you're probably not going to get it and then it's also like kind of a problem for collectors on the other side of the world so sorry people in asia who want to collect the bankless podcast we do it in eastern times um yeah perhaps an open mint fixes this yeah maybe i mean maybe it's something we try in the future uh david let's get some takes of the week <coughs> mcdonald's saying oh, we're no. all gonna make it oh no why uh, are you mad about is, that this is binance uh, uh <laughs> god i hate it when corporate twitter accounts talk to each other don't I don't like know it. why McDonald's tweeted this, but in January 26th, they, they tweeted out, what did I miss? I don't really know the context behind that tweet. Binance, the Twitter account behind Binance responds, a lot of green candles. And then McDonald's responds to Binance saying, uh, wag me, we're, we're all going to make it. It's like, uh, come on, guys. That's cringe. <laughs> That's cringe for yeah. you. Yeah. Especially McDonald's. when markets are pumping. They're going to they're gonna <laughs> cause the top. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's that's your take. All right, I have Ryan, a take. All on right, guys, Matt Ryan's Bain. talking about taxes. All right, here ready we go. For this? <laughs> Tax time. Do you know what I got? So, uh, people know I had some uh, fun stuck in Gemini Earn account. Lots mm-hmm. of fun. They sent me this email, and it says we are writing to inform you that Gemini has requested a thirty day extension from the IRS to provide forms ten ninety nine MSK MISC to Gemini Exchange account holders for the tax year twenty twenty two. I was like, oh, what is that? Oh, it turns out, of course, because of taxes. Uh, the interest you earn in Gemini Earn is all taxable at the time you receive that interest, okay? So it's taxable. You receive income. So if you receive $100 in the month of, of May last year in your Gemini Earn account, then you owe the taxes on the $100 that you receive, right? This is how most accountants would, would kind of interpret these tax rules. Well, the pain of all of this, David, is you're a Gemini Earn customer. You lost all of your money 
probably mm-hmm. in Gemini Aaron. Maybe you get some of it back later. Who knows when? Perhaps years. For all intents and purposes, you lost it all. Guess what, David? You, you still have to pay IRS taxes on your interest. <laughs> this is so that dangerous. to me is the definition of max pain. It's this Wojak right here, tears crying, coming out and like, and this this applies for Celsius or BlockFi, Gemini Urn, any of the C5 lenders. The uh, you can't like you the, can't you have is, to pay taxes to... on money that was stolen from you, and that to me is like peak pain. And I don't know if you sometimes it's back to like if you don't laugh about it, you're, you're gonna cry, right? Uh, or maybe you do a bit of both. But uh, that is my definition of max pain, my friend. See, this is why I have to get other somebody else to do my taxes because I would be like, oh, I'm not paying that. I didn't actually receive any of the money. Oh, because you like the you, you're going by rules of fairness. Yeah, common like, sense. Yeah. Oh, rules of fairness and common right. sense. Yeah. Sorry, that's yeah, the, not what this, the IRS does. So, they have so, their own set of rules. Because the IRS doesn't go by rules and common sense, I have to pay someone, an accountant, to care on my behalf or else I'll go to jail because I know I won't do it right. Yeah, this is... Uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> anyway, that's... Uh, I'm sorry for anyone listening who's in that position. I'm somewhat in that position too. Uh, mm. And uh, it kind of sucks. That's Max Payne, my friend. Okay, this is the favorite tweet I saw of the week. This was not added to the agenda by Ryan. This was added to the agenda by me. But this oh, was Ryan's you. tweet. So congrats, Ryan. Favorite tweet of the week. Uh, Ryan Sean Adams tweets out, Money and government will exist in greater purity the less they are mixed together. I got shivers when I read this one. You, you like this? Oh, I loved it so much. Yeah. Uh-huh. What if I told you this was a stolen tweet? No. Yes. AI this is a stolen tre- tweet. I was about to comment. It's like, man, this is not very AI of you, but right, it is, is pretty AI is, of you to this steal is it from a James, someone. This is a James Madison quote. Who's that? Okay, framer of the Constitution. Uh-oh. Founding father, James Madison, way back in the 1700s. Uh-huh. You know, like uh, one of the originators of the Constitution, you know, yeah. Madison, Did, did it Jefferson, say church and government Hamilton. will exist in great? Is that where it yes. came from? Wow. He said his quote was, church and government will exist in greater purity the less they are mixed together. And I just subbed that out for money because I think the same is true. This was, is why, you I know how much. Like, like, this is uncharacteristically human of you, but then you gave me that explanation. I said, no, that's the most AI thing I can think of. It's such a good take, though. <laughs> it is such a good the take. The thing about, like, um, the, like, the framers of the Constitution is money was already separated yeah. from state at the time they wrote this. Their big thing was trying to get religion separated from state, mm-hmm. which turned out to be a really good idea and a very strong protocol design for a democracy, for a republic governed by the people. Well, now uh, we've got money injected Mm -hmm. into the state. And I bet if some of the framers were around today, people who really think about power power dynamics in government, they would be advocates for this position too. Mm -hmm. It's like, we'll have money and government in greater purity if we don't mix them together as much, if we can separate them. And that is definitely um, the take of crypto. But like, Money in politics isn't that such a like a terrible co- combination. Right. Money in state yeah. isn't that such a corrupting force. It's just like these things should be separated, shouldn't they? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's why I'm bullish crypto, David. Yeah, uh, for, for any bankless listener that wants some light weekend reading, read the article "A Most Peaceful Revolution" by Nick Carter. It all talks about when, uh, and this also fits with the uh, sovereign individual thesis: is like crypto is going to unbundle money from the state. And it's going to force the state to be market competitive with the services that they provide. When they can no longer issue money and print money out of thin air, they have to be market competitive with social uh, the safety net, infrastructure, stuff like this. And so it takes away the privilege of them being able to just print money to pay for their mistakes and forces them into being a, a 
at the whim of the market. The market makes them good, uh, which I think the when the market when you don't have to uh, adhere to the rules of the market, you become corrupt and stagnant, and you rest on your laurels. Do you know you're you're making me want to have uh, Rowan Gray back on the podcast and argue with him a little bit. Sure. About uh, this, bring on a statist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he would take the exact opposite position. He'd be like, "No, shit, brain." It's um. He'd probably say that too. It's actually. It's like uh, having money tied in the state actually makes money accountable in a democracy to the people, mm. and that is the way you should actually do things. Mm. Get your capitalist. Uh, ideas out of here get your free market right. uh, kind of ideas out of here you know i actually don't really think rowan gray and us like disagree we just have a roundabout way of coming to the same conclusion but we're like i think the one thing we disagree on he's w- he's way too optimistic on like the incorruptible on, power right. of the nation state yes. and i'm like in like i think we right. are much uh um, yeah anyway that's a good debate yeah. if you want to go back in the bankless archives look up rowan gray and bankless uh david here's another take what's this uh, this is from uh, Lido, uh, and just because this is so aligned with what we say, uh, Lido's doing the all caps, lower caps, caps, lower caps, like making a farce of a statement, and he's saying, I don't understand the tokenomics of layer two tokens. And he re- continues, mate, they have better business models than alt layer ones like Solana. The business model is easy. They sell block space on layer two and they buy block space on layer one and pocket some nice spreads on the difference while still offering end users 10 times cheaper transactions. Yep. I thought that was a great way of summarizing the Succinct. layer two business model. They buy block space on the layer one. They sell block space on the layer two. And with compression technology, they can pocket the difference. Yep, they are value-added resellers yep. in the supply chain of block space. But layer two is value-added resales. The last take of the week: uh, Who wrote this? Who wrote this report? Uh, Fortune. Oh, this is. Let's see. This is from the Financial News of London. Oh. Financial News of London. Meet the twenty most influential people in crypto. I'd love and to. Who are they? <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> I have no clue. These are also like stock image headshots of people. No, no, I have they, no clue who they are. These are real people right here. Um, these are some LinkedIn Ahmed, ass photos, Diana, man. Biggs, Ombre. I, I've never seen any I've of these people around of these crypto. People. But they are the 20 the, most But they are the movers and shakers in the digital asset sector. They, I've the never even news. heard it. They've never, they haven't been on Bankless. <laughs> we should get them on i think we've been missing a whole how uh, come they all have these same uniform headshots these are all fed plants bro <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm excited to I, I don't know what this full list includes but uh this is a joke around crypto twitter about the 20 oh most influential God. people in, in crypto that no one's ever heard of uh, if these David, people were on crypto twitter we would eat them alive <laughs> really yeah, yeah Any, anyone with know. that kind of like curated headshot, get the hell Don't out of judge here. a book by its cover. What, what do you have against curated headshots? You ever seen my uh, Twitter profile picture? Let me show you this. Yours is okay because it's kind of meta because yours is uh, Look at this. you getting a picture of that, that lighting. That. <laughs> yeah, this is you put a, your mf as a profile picture for a while and then you took it away and I was disappointed. You're mad about that? This is why... Yeah. Um, a bit boy called me a suit is because of this photo. Because yeah, you know what? He was right. He's right. <laughs> bit boy had a point. Those glasses, dude. <laughs> what are you bullish on, David? Uh, I'm speaking of mfers. I'm a bullish on mfers. Uh, and so this was a bracelet that I'm now wearing. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen. It's kind of hidden behind my watch, but it's my mfer bla- bracelet. I'm always looking for a nice bracelet. So now I've got this mfer bracelet. Where'd you get that? Uh, so an, an MFR made it for me. Oh, so and uh, this is me, an MFR buying MFR swag 
from a MFer who made it for me. So uh, you can go link. Uh, there's a link to the to this in the show notes. This is a uh, like an online store from iDanco. Uh, so if you're an MFer, you can buy an MFer bracelet. You can also upload your specific MFer, and he'll make you a silver MFer figurine that is your MFer, cool. and you can get a Crypto nice little culture. bracelet. Right. And so like we had that take a while ago that um, the Nike swoosh of Web three will be a decentralized like meme. And so this is an MFer who's made a business side hustle making MFer swag for MFers who want to wear MFer stuff. And this is how this <laughs> meme propagates. And the cool yeah. thing is, is like this isn't owned by, you know, MFer Inc. This is just a little it's side hustle. It's a headless hustle. brand. It's a headless, headless brand. brand. Yeah. And I think, really cool I think it's super cool. Also, can yeah. you go back to the picture of uh, my watch? Yeah. Can you zoom in on that? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the power. To can zoom you read in. it? Nope. Re- oh, it. Is this Hoffman on your watch? Yeah, dude. Hoffman watch. Wait, is <laughs> this a brand name? Yeah. It, it, I saw Would it on Instagram and it's like Hoffman <laughs> watches. I'm like, wait, my name's Hoffman. And it was $100. And so, there can only uh, be was, one David Hoffman in every, every, yeah. every industry. So this your, is the watch. Your boy Hoffman. wears a Hoffman watch. Yeah. Greatest cool, Instagram purchase of all time. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I'm really happy for your watch. And, and see Thanks. this, guys. Uh, so you know, just so you know, whoever you are, the financial news, this is the wrist of a real crypto influencer right here. <laughs> Sporting Hoffman watch. Hoffman watches MFers. and MFers, yeah. That's how uh-huh. you know. That's uh-huh. how you know you're dealing with the influential crypto person. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm bullish on. MFers and uh, I guess my last name. Also, I'm going to Starkware <laughs> Sessions tomorrow. Uh, so I'm also bullish on Starkware Sessions. I'm pretty, So shout out to all the people who are going out there. Cool. I'm glad you're taking that trip, man. Yeah, yeah, me too. Gonna gonna learn as much as possible. I'm gonna like rec- literally. I have like eight interviews lined up, and I'm gonna bring them all back for the Bankless Nation. I'm gonna turn them into content because that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, so I guess go. I'm also bullish on content out there as well. So I got three <laughs> things. Ryan, what are you bullish on? Uh, I'm gonna say it this week: Bitcoin block space, David. <laughs> Unironically, I'm gonna say that. Look, honestly, I mean, you're selling block space. More use cases. Uh, some of these NFTs on Bitcoin could actually be something. What else could you put in these blobs? I mean, you're not doing DeFi, but you can store some interesting things in it. Um, <coughs> you mentioned going to the Starkware conference. Mm-hmm. That is actually something that Starkware wants to do, is it wants to bring Layer 2s, Starkware tech, to Bitcoin. You still have this look of shock, but like, Maybe you should be bullish on Bitcoin block space. I'm more um, bullish on Bitcoin block space than I was previously. I will tell you that. <laughs> well, that's it, man. I'll just leave it right there. And that takes us to the meme of the week this week. What are we looking at, David? <laughs> so this is uh, utility in an airplane just chasing down Peter Griffin from Family Guy. Uh, utility in the airplane, like, you know, trying to gun down Bitcoin and Bitcoin being Peter Griffin. Utility is coming from Bitcoin and Bitcoin just wants running away it. from it, running away from utility. Yeah. Yeah. It's black but that, so that's the right negative there. take. Here's the positive take, which is you have the, the cringe crying guy and the cringe crying guy is ETH, Ethereum. The cringe crying guy is like, we have a roadmap. And then you have like the Vitalik roadmap piece. And then there's <laughs> the bitcoin chad and bitcoin says looks like we've accidentally fixed the security budget (laughs) (laughs) that's a great take on it i'm getting a kick out of this whole debate is uh bitcoin uh, block space sales going up and uh, people mad about it i don't i don't know it seems like it's helping to me 
My favorite thing about it is that like Bitcoin's a permissionless protocol. Now you can put NFTs on Bitcoin. It's just going to play out like the way that organic nature is going to allow it to play out. And we're just going to watch it every step of the way. There you go. And I'm going to be busy, busy playing a uh, doom on the TI-83 T- uh, <laughs> while everyone watches. Risks and disclaimers, guys, we've got to tell you, none of this has been financial advice. We don't know the use cases of Bitcoin block space in the future, but we hope to find out soon. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.